Okay. A little bit later in the episode, I'm going to tell you more about the hormone fixer because I know you're dying to know. This little bad boy supplement that I created, if I do say so myself, is amazing at so many things, so many benefits. So it raises your natural testosterone, ladies, that GSD hormone. It helps with weight loss. It helps improve insulin sensitivity. It helps with anti-aging. It increases your own growth hormone, the anti-aging hormone that helps with the wrinkles and the stamina, energy, focus, brain. It also helps with your mood and lowers your response to stress. So you're just going to have to wait a little bit more and we'll tell you more about it. The Hormone Fixer. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. There are so many of you listening to this podcast who are unapologetically driven type A individuals, and I know who you are. So I promise you this is going to change your life. Do not turn this one off. I wish I could make this big announcement in the title, like listen to this, please. I'm interviewing Dr. Doug Brackman and let me give you a little background. So I would say about a year ago, I stumbled upon his interview on the Ben Greenfield podcast. And I gotta tell you, I wasn't even gonna click on it. I can't even remember the title. But I clicked on it, I listened to it, and I was like, oh my God, this guy gets me. He wrote the book, Driven. So I got the book, I listened to it, and I said, this book was literally written to speak to me. And I have since given it to many of my friends and other individuals who are also type A Drivens, and they say the same thing. This book was written literally directly for me. So I had to reach out to Doug because he has literally changed my life and the life of so many different people with his information in his book, with his research that he's done on really the genetic component and how the brain is wired in this 10% of the population. If you are driven, you are in a small, small percentage of the population. And I'm going to tell you, this book also helps you look at your world a little bit differently. Because I would always look at the outside world and think, am I weird? Am I strange? Why aren't I a follower? Why aren't I a sheep? Why why don't I just go with the flow? Why do I have my own thoughts and and feelings on things that seem to contradict the, the mainstream thought process? And in reading this book, I realized it's because I'm in that 
10% of driven and you are too. So you have to listen to this interview because we're deep diving into self-sabotage. Now, if you are a driven or if you don't, if you don't even know if you're driven or not, how about you listen, right? How about you listen to the interview and then you can read the book. But if you are a driven, you will have these really good traits about you and they will allow you to get shit done on a daily basis. And then you will have absolute faulty traits because listen, we're not all good. We're not all bad. And those traits can really trip you up and you can get in into some issues, including self-sabotage because of the way your brain is wired. And we're going to get into that with Dr. Doug. And we're going to talk about things that you can do to not trip yourself up, to see it before it comes, to rewire your brain. So let me just tell you about Doug. Dr. Doug Brackman, he's one of the leading psychologists to some of the most successful and driven entrepreneurs, pro athletes, executives, Navy SEALs, and other top performers. He has worked with all of these top performers, and he has created a driven assessment. So if you don't know you're driven or not, you can go to his website, which we'll have in the show notes, take his assessment, see if you're driven, and driven shooting meditation. As crazy as it sounds, we get into this too, because drivens have to meditate with their eyes open. We are very visual. So by combining the components of meditation, long-range shooting, and therapy, Dr. Doug helps those with driven characteristics, often wrongfully diagnosed, by the way, as ADD, ADHD, or OCD, to harness their hunter abilities so they can stop self-sabotaging, find fulfillment in life, and achieve ultimate success. So you can find him at IamDriven.com. We will have all the links in the show notes, but please, please, please enjoy one of my favorite interviews of all time with Dr. Doug Brackman. Doug, thank you so much for joining me. I've been wanting to have you on here for so long. Well, ever since your book changed my life, as I'm sure that you hear from many, many, many people, it's kind of comical, but your book, Driven, when I listened to it, Oh gosh, whatever we had, over a year ago. And after finding out Ben Greenfield's podcast, it it really did. It changed my life. Um, it has transformed many people that I've passed it on to. We actually were giving it to patients for a while because most of the most of my listeners are type A driven individuals, and that's who I like working with anyway. So thank you so much for jumping on here. We're gonna talk about a ton of different stuff, but thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this too. And it, it um, my heart, as we were talking before we started, is, is my youngest daughter is definitely driven. And it is a different world for us than the others. And really you're not is. broken. I'm not broken. Neither are they. They're not stupid, slow, and lazy. So it's just, they're different. So. Yeah, and no, it, really, it really is. And, and the biggest takeaway, and I think, other, some of my listeners can relate as well, is that when I was reading your book, even prior to that, I always felt odd. I always felt different. I always felt like the odd person out because I can't imagine retiring. I can't imagine stopping. I thrive on the next thing. I mean, I, I, I have a license in scuba diving. I know how to snowboard and ski. I know how to archery hunt, gun hunt. I mean, I can't stop. I can't stop. So the biggest takeaway is that you're not, like you said, you're not broken. You're not odd, but you are part of the 10%. 
Yeah. And so that if you've never heard this before, all the listeners out there, it's well, let me start with where I first started to feel that difference. So third grade, fourth grade, there was this overwhelming awareness about how stupid school was. Like, what are we doing memorizing words for vocabulary and multiplication tables? Like, where this is stupid, where the rest of the class seemed to just go right along with it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's feeling like you're an odd duck, feeling like there's something different about you as part of it. And this, this chronic aching feeling that I was never quite doing enough. Mm-hmm. And it's that feeling like you, 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 you know you had homework, but you can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. And it's this ah, feeling of impending doom. And this was, you know, I was born in 1968 and went to elementary school in the 70s. And ADD, ADHD was not part of our vocabulary yet. Right. Um, And so I was just the kid that got bored easy in class. Shut up and work harder. And I come from a very interesting family household, but whatever. But that evolved very quickly into pretty profound disruptions in my world. Um, You know, my kind of game with school was to bullshit my way through it the best I could, get the highest amount of grade I could with the least amount of work. Mm -hmm. And I got really good grades up until about junior year. And then I just, what's the point? And more is the way I'm wired. I'm wired for more. Anything that makes me feel like I'm achieving or getting dopamine specifically, I potentially can become addicted to. And yeah, I discovered, yeah, I discovered cocaine when I was 16, 15. When I was 18, I was in a locked psych ward. So I mean, it immediately took my life, you know, yeah. and it just ran with it, dropped out of high school and really blew up my life early. Thank goodness. Obviously here it is 35 years later and got my shit together. So, so it seems to the outer world, but that sent me at 18, I had that awareness of this, you know, I know I'm messed up, but I'm not that bad. Like really like this, I'm not a drug addict, high school dropout, you know, I'm not going to live that life. So I started to get my life back together, but always had this feeling that there was something missing or wrong or something could always be better in my world. Mm-hmm. My father hyper driven, he's 85 next week. He's just stopped operating two years ago. He's a neurosurgeon. Oh my and gosh. was doing 19 at the peak of his, he was doing 15 to 18 surgeries a week. He was one of the highest operating surgeons in the world. And he, he set the bar for me to, if I'm going to do something, do it all the way. Don't give in, don't give up. So by the time I got to graduate school and really passionate about psychology, it was 1991. And that was pre-genetic genome being understood. Mm-hmm and pre-functional MRI. And so we really didn't understand what was going on inside the human animal as much as we do now. But I went down a path of, you know, my doctoral dissertation. And despite what anyone ever tells you about why they're a psychologist, the real reason is we're we're there trying to figure out our own shit. (laughs) (laughs) We are. And those that, you know, deny it and try to run away from it, be careful. Yeah. I love it. So, you know, my doctoral dissertation was about self-sabotage and about why the human animal seems to have, you know, the best ideas going on in the brain, but then there's some kind of resistance to following through. Mm -hmm. 
And that has been my last 25 years of work. And I teach Drivens. And what Driven is, in a nutshell, very simple. 4,000, 5,000 years ago, the human animal started to adapt the environment very simply into a much safer, predictable world. The agricultural revolution made the human species not have to struggle as much for survival. Mm-hmm. Allowed for culture to develop, allowed all these wonderful things. But, and I always give credit to Tom Hartman, one of the early books that I read about this in the mid-90s, he came up with the hunter-farmer theory. His kid was profoundly ADD, ADHD, and the school system started to pathologize the kid. Like, your kid's broken, there's something wrong with him, there's this thing called ADD, and let's get him on meds, let's make him conform to this world. He just said, there's nothing wrong with my kid. There must be a good genetic or biological reason why a good slice of the population is like this. And he started to talk about cultural anthropology and how basically over the last 4,000 years, most of the human herd has adapted to a very slow, predictable, boring world. And I Mm -hmm. emphasize boring there because it's, for me, it just seems, you know, like most of the world are going through working a W-2 job and everything is okay. Yep. And for me, it makes me want to swallow my own tongue to imagine sitting in a cubicle for eight hours a day somewhere. Yes. And I'm not wired that way. And so I, you know, I took his work and really brought science to it, brought, you know, because I am such a cynic and a doubter, also part of our personality. I don't believe anybody. And so I try to figure it out myself. And you put us in, thank goodness for ADD, ADHD, not for the label, but for the research dollars behind it, because it, it, they have done tens of thousands of studies trying to demonstrate how ADD is impacted by meds. and In other words, they've done a ton of functional MRIs on us, and we're different. And very simply, the difference is, is that we use our eyeballs to go through the world. We're hunters. And that hunting wiring is that we are very prone to anything that has novelty and lights our dopamine. Mm-hmm. Next shiny object. Yeah, shiny object syndrome. And it, it and we more importantly and probably help more helpful to your audience is really the identity piece behind this because the genetics of our reward system, we don't do boredom. And what is boredom? Boredom is a feeling that there's something missing or wrong right now. Mm-hmm. And my doctoral dissertation, most important, powerful part of that is most of us are really not in control of our own lives. It's this thing below our nose, this body that seems to have a decision-making power of its own. And the way it does that is with emotion. Mm -hmm. And so if the body is feeling scared and you look at your checking account balance, you will see evidence that it's scary. Like, oh, what did I spend it on? So that's self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. To where I'm making the outer world fit how I feel about it. That makes sense. Yeah. And very simple concept. And most importantly, we're all because of the human. This is biology. This is not philosophy. This is not psychology. This is biology. So we have this operating system down below our nose that that once a familiar, predictable world based upon past experience. But we have this thing between our ears that can imagine unbelievably fantastic worlds. 
Yeah. You know, I'm 54 years old and I can look in the mirror and imagine myself with a six pack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. But, and this was my doctoral work, and why does January, why is January so horrible at the gym is because everybody's monkey mind or this thing between your ears is dragging the body along for the ride. And you're going to do it and you're going to, and some of us have gorillas in our heads that are very mean to the body and drive the body. And some of us have little cheerleaders and why NLP or neuro-linguistic programming doesn't necessarily work for the long term. It doesn't work in the long term is because the body eventually resists and the body wants to return to baseline familiar. Yep. And so all of your clients that are, you know, trying to feel better. Yes, you can feel better between your ears, but your body's going to resist the behaviors that continue the thing that helped you feel good. Exactly. Yeah. So this is really a podcast for my patients, but but uh, the <laughs> the other listeners too, because every everybody listening, they're all they're all striving for that optimal. They all want deep down, they want their life back. They don't want to be fat, tired, bald frustrated. They want to have that badass self back that they once were. Part of them. Part of them. Part of them. And that, that, that is the key to this because there's another part of me and that's, I'll tell you the story. Why, why am I a psychologist? Mm -hmm. So my dad's a medical doctor and I was in pre-med, got into, you know, good school, went to SC and was just getting hammered by organic chemistry. Like, not my forte of memorizing a bunch of crap for no reason whatsoever. I mean, it's right. just it's um, not fun. It's not, not fun. fun. And I happened to be dating a very attractive young lady at the time who was making me insane. And I went into a psychologist's office for the first time in my life at 21 years old. And he, he gave me an assignment. He gave me a homework assignment that was very simple. He said, pick something in your world that you've been beating yourself up that you haven't done. That's relatively easy. But more importantly, it's not about you doing it. It's about observing what happens when you try to do it, how you sabotage yourself, how you, you know, but most importantly, what's going on inside your head and what's going on inside your body. And so Blockbuster Video, this dates the story. Yes. <laughs> They've completely, completely eradicated this problem for human animals, but we used to have to return videos. Mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the thing's sitting on my coffee table, three days late, four days late. Oh, shit, I got to take that back. I'll do it later. I'll do it after I eat. I'll do it, whatever. I go home and I literally take this blockbuster video and wedged it against the door. So I couldn't open the door and leave without this thing in my hand. Right. But what I did was took it down the front seat of my car and it sat there for three days or four days or five days because every time I looked at it, it was confirming to how I felt about myself, partly. Yeah, I'm kicking ass in organic chemistry. Yeah, but I'm still a piece of crap because I'm not returning the video. So which one am I? <laughs> that, 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 is the, that was really the insight that started to develop. And the magic happened on the final day. And I'm just like everybody else. I put everything off. And it is the day of therapy. And it's like, I am going to return this damn thing where I'm going to like, I'm not walking into his office and feeling that shame. So I hear myself in that morning, that morning, driving to Blockbuster Video, listening to my head tell me that it's an act of God that I don't return this video because I just missed this red light. And now I'm really going to be late for school. 
And those excuses that I were making was just for the first time in my life, I started to be at awe, just in awe of how crazy I was. Like, this is nuts. Mm -hmm. Finally get the blockbuster, get in the parking lot, park the car, walk up, put the thing in the slot. What did my brain, what did my, what did this shame-based thing tell me? Didn't do it fast enough. Perfect. Look how clear as a bell. Look how hard it was for you to return a blockbuster video. You're never going to amount to crap. And the first time in my life, I laughed. That's awesome that you can see it, though, in, in real time. Bingo. In real time. Real time. And so, you know, I give, the, I give the metaphor in my book about monkeys and elephants. And the Buddha observed, he was just a psychologist, wacko psychologist, he saw human beings very much in this light that we had this elephant of a body that seemed to be making its own life choices. And then we had these monkeys up on top of this elephant trying to get it to do what we want. Mm -hmm. And the classic question was, and this is that insightful moment that changed my life, which one is Doug? Am I the monkey mind or am I my impulsive body? Am I the one who can imagine wonderful worlds or am I the one who's actually sabotaging it to get to normal? Mm -hmm. And it's a trick question. Everyone who's listening to this, think about the answer for a second. And most people say, ah, more monkeys, more elephants, whatever. It's a trick question because the answer is you are both and capital A-N-D, neither. Oh, damn. (laughs) there's the one there's the one (laughs) that neither piece is yeah i caught it in real time and so that is is you're not just the monkey mind nor are you just the elephant i'm the third third you know observer observing ego i I totally and all the pop theorists you know pop psychologists around this talk about this but it's just raw consciousness yeah no that makes total sense when you explain it that way because i think well, hopefully it makes sense to the listeners. To, to put it contextually for them, it would be very much like them going, and you mentioned this in the book, so I, I, I appreciate that, about eating right, right? You, you mm-hmm. have this plan, you know, and I, it's funny, I always say both and even in terms of how I treat patients. Like we have to look at the thyroid and fix that and fix your hormones, but you can't be going out eating McDonald's. We gotta do both <laughs> and. Like we have to change both things and do it at the same time. But what will happen, like we were talking about before, is we'll get someone optimized. We'll do medication. We'll do thyroid. We'll optimize that. We'll do the hormones, get the insulin down, gut all you know, fine, good, great. But then they'll start to sabotage themselves and come back and say, well, I think I need more thyroid hormone. I think I need more hormone. I think I need a better diet. I think I need more supplements. Is there a supplement to fix this? And it really <laughs> kind of comes back to, no, you got to fix this up here. So what happened, can you, can you put that story in context of, let's say weight loss, let's say improvement of health. Oh, okay. when you know, yeah. And so toxic perfectionism is often a thing that drivens, as I call it. So what I call it, I, I rebranded the ADD, ADHD, chronic discontented. They call us reward deficient people. We are reward. We have reward deficiency. That's okay. the genetic pathology, crazy thing for it. You know, we're Navy SEALs and we are the badasses of the world. We really are. But in context of this, you know, thing we have to learn as a driven person, we don't have a choice. I, I will, if I listen to my elephant and my monkey mind colludes with it, 
meaning that I have an impulse to go after dopamine and my monkey mind rationalizes and justifies it, I'm dead. It's no different than a chocolate chip cookie though. Yeah. And so that chocolate chip cookie is, you know, you're, you're insulin dependent and you're really like really for real. This it's like, I, I bet I don't want to die, but it's, again, it is that moment that you said that insight real time moment and toxic perfectionism is the belief in perfection. And I had a perfect food day and I've been, I'm an Ironman triathlete. I'm very familiar with hacking my diet and uh-huh. aeropeptides and all the stuff to recover. But all of those things help, but they, they, they don't make up for this psychology that I, if I believe the lie that I will eventually get there. Mm-hmm. You hear it a thousand different ways of, you know, there is no there, there. Most important takeaway for that from me is that I am wired to need a finish line. I am wired to, and that, that I need this shiny thing in the future to look forward to. Otherwise, I will get depressed and crazy. Mm-hmm. Yes. More importantly, I will start to become impulsive and eat chocolate chip cookies and do cocaine. So, um, right. so it, it's in that moment to moment awareness that, and you can do an eating meditation, very simple to do. And the goal of it is discernment between monkeys and elephants. Another way to say it is between hunger and appetite. Mm -hmm. Appetite lives between your ears and I can look at a chocolate cookie and it's like, Ooh, I can feel my impulsive elephant want it. Then I can hear the monkey mind start the battle Well, you deserved it. You worked out today. Then you can have the other side of, Oh my God, that's going to break four day streak of no sugar. Yep. And in that moment, you are neither the monkey mind nor that impulsive elephant. Yeah. And I am, I am here and right now in this present moment, do I really want the cookie or do I need the cookie? Can you actually stop and ask yourself that? Yes. Okay. That's called meditation. And so meditation in the way I teach meditation is called presenting. So it's a presenting practice. And it's the only way Germans can meditate, by the way, because I've the tried them all. Way. Tried yeah, them all. Once, yeah, once you experience it, and again, most most people in the world, 95% of the people in the world are not driven. They're not wired like us. And they created all the meditations. They created the, a lot of the religions. They created a lot of this thing out there that we don't, it doesn't work for us. Right. It don't work. No. Especially with the occipital dominance, you know, meaning that we use our eyeballs to make make sense of the world. And if you try to meditate with your eyes closed as a driven person, you feel crazy. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> oh my God, there's so much going on. So in your head, but what this is, you know, a eating meditation, staying on that track is you look at a cookie and you can feel the impulse in the body to go towards it. You can also feel the impulse to like, oh God, I don't want to feel that. And I don't want all the shame associated with it. Mm-hmm. That's your elephant. That's the elephant. Monkey mind is, is in this dance of trying to convince you which impulse to follow. Key takeaway of all of this, especially the meditation piece, is that there is no impulse towards or against when you're in the present. Okay. 
So think, um, about, yeah, so think about that is that in the present moment, oh, I don't want that cookie or you're not eating the cookie right now. That's in the future. Uh, oh my God, if I do eat the cookie, yeah, there's, <laughs> oh my God, if I do eat the cookie, then I'm going to be bad at it. But right now in this present moment, I'm not eating nor not eating the cookie. Like I'm okay right now. Okay. I can see that. Yep. It is, then you avoid the shame that comes if you do eat it. Cause that's another layer and the shame if you don't eat it. Ah. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> seriously, it's like, well, I never reward myself. If that's the key takeaway of that video. No matter what I do, I can use it as evidence that I'm a piece of crap and still not good enough. And that's where people... No matter up. what I do, no matter how perfect my diet is, no matter... You're always going to feel like you're not enough. And that's here's the other key takeaway of, of this is... Good enough is not a feeling. It's not. My doctoral dissertation, yeah, there's, there's the contemplative look. Yeah, there's a contemplative <laughs> look for those that listening and not viewing, yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 it's Dr. Jim Spire, the guy who shook my hand and said, congratulations, Dr. Brackman, for the first time I ever got called doctor. Mm-hmm. What did my shame say? In turn, it was a reflex in my head and I smiled about it. it, it it's ha-ha, they bought it. They bought it. You fooled them. That was a, that was a them. big impact in your book when you said that. Because I'm like, oh, it, man, it, that's so true. The joke is, it's on my wall. Mm-hmm. Yes, it could have been better. And that, that's the freedom step is, yes, it could have been better. But it enough. is good enough. Yeah. Like, you know, 1850 calorie diet. It's like 1847. Yeah, I think we... Yeah, but it wasn't that good because I ate the wrong kind of calories. I mean, you're, you're going to make yourself insane. Yep. And people do. People do make themselves insane. And All of they, that is sabotage. Sabotage. Yeah, I call it screw it syndrome, where they yeah. just go, ah, well, screw it. I'm just going to eat this anyways because nothing I'm doing is working. So Exactly. And it, it, it's giving into the familiar, just recreating the world that, you know, it's the old, even though your world's full of, or shit, you, you have this weird belief there's a pony in here somewhere. That's kind of, <laughs> like, <laughs> but we're, this is normal wiring. Everybody on the planet struggles with it. And you see people, well, you don't have the struggles I do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And you overtly, openly start to talk about this, particularly with your doctor or whatever. And what is good enough? What is good enough? I don't know. Well, we're going to lose two pounds a week. All right. I lost six. That's not good. That's harder on your liver. That's like, we like, wait a second. Well, I lost half, half a pound. And it's, yeah, that's terrible. Well, as you are able to actually look at yourself and look at the system or the processes that you're going for to optimize, you know, and that's my joke about exercise. I mean, I, I was, completely addicted to exercise doing long course triathlons ridiculous yep um it truly is it's ridiculous yep no i I get that addiction yeah i've overcome it so (laughs) i get it and the most important part of that for me was that i can't stop exercising it makes me homicidal Mm -hmm. if i don't work out for three weeks or a month i like i'm I'm throwing water bottles out of my car at people so it's like yeah so how much is how much is enough Versus what is too much. Right. There's a fine line, especially when it comes to exercise or food or 
Really, any any extreme choice. I mean, every every choice out there is this, and it, the you know the brilliance of the Buddha was the middle path. And if I don't exercise enough, I'm a terrible husband. Mm-hmm. If I exercise too much, I'm a terrible husband. Mm-hmm. If I eat too much, you know, I'm I'm lethargic and I can't work out. If I don't eat enough, I can't work out and have right. good workouts and. And so they're all interconnected, but this, what is good enough is an external thing that I put boundaries around that I can look at to see what got me this result. Okay. So for diet, very simple. I'm going to, we're going to follow this plan for 30 days and I'm going to do the best I can within this bandwidth or window of what is good enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm erring more on the side of over than under, but this is in just being honest with yourself about what you're doing knowing that you can make these micro changes. James Clear, throughout to him, Atomic Habits, if you haven't read it, read it. It's great. The psychology of it as much, but it, it's, you, your elephant won't tolerate making big changes to your life. It will not. My doctoral dis, my dissertation looked at lottery winners. 78% of lottery winners within three to five years, they, they are broke, they're bankrupt, and their family hates them. Too big of a change. Yep. Too big of a change. The elephant can't handle it. So what is the one small change you can make to your diet this week and keep? And if you make big changes, you will blow it up you or you'll it do up. it for three weeks or a month. And then all of a sudden you're eating, you know, you're eating <laughs> nothing yep. bundt cake like we had last night for dinner. So it's, <laughs> and it, it's, but if you're too restrictive and try to be too perfect, mm-hmm. your elephant will say, epic. Screw biggest it. loser. Look at the biggest loser. None of them have kept the weight off. It None was of too much and too fast and too extreme. And so this, this slow, gentle pace, it's called mastery. And I, I believe driven people are wired for mastery. Mastery is, is letting go of the results as an identity mm-hmm. and really grasping that I'm in process, that I'm a work in progress using the results to optimize the process that is getting you there. I like that. So, yeah. What do you, what am I doing right? That's getting me what I need to get. Because and, if you look at it like a mastery course, like a mastery challenge as a yeah. driven, then it becomes something that you're working on every day, as opposed to a, a judgment piece of whether you did it right or wrong. Correct. And more importantly, then we can look at the wrongness and go, uh, how did I get here? Rather than trying to cover it up or saying, forget about it. I don't want to use that as evidence for my shame. It's evidence that I can get better. Mm-hmm. I and love it's that. not, you know, that I'm good or bad. It's that, no, we're a work in progress. And I'm, you know, give me something that I can get better at that really has no finish line. And if it gets a little dopamine charge in it, man, I'll master that. <laughs> like, master that all day. Master yeah. it. And things you can't master you really, I mean, you can't master are the things that you apply mastery for and diet is perfect. Yeah. Changing eating. I mean, I, I, I was like that. I, I finally have mastered that and I'm sure it'll always, you know, come back and pop up every here and every, every now and again, but that feeling of shame, if I did eat something 
off diet. You know, I ate the brownie. Yeah, I did. I ate it. I ate the bun with my burger. Oh my God. And instead of beating myself up or going to the gym three times a day to work that off, like I used to, I finally am past that, but yet I'm still in the place that I can, I can still feel that with other people. When they say that they are like that, I I feel it. I get it. I can still feel those feelings of guilt and shame from missing a day at the gym, from overeating, from whatever. So I know that there are people that still struggle with that. And then what would you say about to the people that, I I always talk about this, that little voice in your head, when you do lose, let's say you, you lost 20 pounds, maybe you still have 10 to go, but that little voice is going, you did awesome. You lost 20 pounds. Now you deserve, and you touched on this earlier, you deserve that. You deserve a little (laughs) bit of this and you deserve the brownie and the bun with your burger and the beer and the pizza. And it, it's learning to, to feel the elephant mm-hmm. and meaning that there's always going to be part of the elephant that is going to impulsively go towards the reward of a brownie. Yeah. And always. the elephant doesn't care about the results. He doesn't. He just wants what he wants and wants it now. He wants it now. But the relationship between the timekeeper or this monkey mind and two words that I teach all my drivens, then what? I eat the brownie, then what? Then what? Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, because then you can propel, the monkeys can take the elephant and go, I don't want to feel that way. Yep. How will I feel if I don't eat the brownie? Better, but I'm going to have a brownie Friday. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that delayed gratification and, you know, what's good enough for Monday is, is different for Friday. And being able to have flexibility and sense of control that I I can eat the brownie, but then that's, you know, if you want to do points or you want to do calories or whatever, however you're keeping score, it's like, I can, but I don't want that. What I want is this. And giving the elephant choices, because if you tell the elephant no, it's going to figure out how to get it. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) It's true. We're going to figure out one way or another. So learning to work with the elephant is 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 what I do as a, as a meditation practitioner, as a psychologist. And it, it's, you gotta, you gotta learn to listen to it because it's going to win anyway. I love that. And your style of meditation, we didn't even get into that, but you're offering the viewers, I think it's 10% off your driven meditation course, which yeah. is great. Thank you so much. I, and, and I highly encourage everyone to get your book and to do the course because it, it really is a different style of meditation and it's one that you can dig into and enjoy instead of be frustrated with because in this world well listen we hear about meditation all the time and i talk about you need to reduce your cortisol and yes part of that is meditating this is my third wave of mindfulness oh my god everybody in the world's going to meditate since you know the early 90s i've been doing this forever and it goes away, don't worry, <laughs> because people figure out meditation sucks. Um, because if you're meditating correctly, six weeks after starting a meditation practice, your reports of anxiety will go dramatically up, up. I heard you say that. Before. It will feel worse because what you're doing is actually increasing the awareness of what's happening in your body. And that's scary. And everybody walking on this planet is more anxious than they need to be. Everybody. Very true. 
And so knowing that, and very simply this question, and I'll leave you guys with all of this, this simple question, is what's happening in my body right now an accurate reflection of my immediate, and I mean right now, reality? Mm-hmm. These four walls and this, this, if you hear in your head, well, I don't think I'm feeling what I should be feeling. That's crazy compared to worms, compared to whom? Well, if 99 people were in a room, they wouldn't feel, it's like, you're talking out of your butt. I mean, it's like, what? (laughs) And so there's no way to answer that question. When you curiously explore that, is what's happening in my body an accurate reflection of the present? 99.99999% of the time, there is no saber-toothed tiger here. There's no cave bear. Present moment is safe. Safety is not a feeling. Safety is a state of being, and you'll feel better. In spiritual terms, that's called grace. So as you are experiencing the present, grace is a natural response of that. And all of a sudden, the cookie doesn't feel the same. (laughs) It's like part of you will say, I want it more. Another part of you is less. And there's this third thing that's like, what the hell? Yeah. I hate the cookie. I love the cookie. I love the egg. I eat the cookie, then what? And it's like all of a sudden you just kind of, I'm over it. I don't want to eat the cookie. And just those simple things, asking yourself, then what? Asking yourself, you know, am I safe in this moment? Those simple things can be game changers for each decision that you make, whether it is a cookie or whether it's to snort the line of cocaine. I mean, those (laughs) are... You know, I mean, those are don't all throw the water bottle. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't throw water bottles. Yeah. Not... Don't throw water bottles. Exactly. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Well, Doug, I know you have to go, but this has by far been one of my favorite interviews because I just, I, I mean, it, it's been a life changer for me to read your book, to meet you, to, to be a part of the driven community. So I thank you so much for your time for coming on here because I know you're, like I said to you before we started recording they need to hear it from not me. They yeah. need, because they're going to be like, oh, bullshit, Aim, come on. So this, this, if you are driven, if it feels like you've always been broken or there's really might something be really deeply wrong with me, there isn't. There's a dopamine reward system center in your brain that really is different. I'm not pulling this stuff out of my butt. I did the research because I yep. didn't believe myself. And there's nothing wrong with you. And your book beautifully gets into the genetics. I love the genetics and epigenetics and how that ties together. So that fascinates me. Uh, but you know, for my for my geeked out scientific nerds out there, definitely read the book because it 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 does it explains it so well, and you can totally relate to the the neuropeptide Y and everything that you explain oh, in the yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, I get into it. And yeah. Yeah. but there's nothing wrong with you. And the behavior. Right. Well, thank anything. you, Amy. I am now in your world. I will. Uh, I will follow up with you. I'll send you a bunch. I'll send you a big stack of books. Sweet. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we will be talking soon, Doug. Thank you so much for being on here. So now that you've heard all about the hormone fixer, I'm going to give you a challenge. If you actually listened to this podcast all the way to the end and you're still listening, You can use the code thyroidfix10, T-H-Y-R-O-I-D-F-I-X-1-0, thyroidfix10 and get 10% off my store. This is only for people that listened all the way to the end. I want to know what you think 
about my products, make sure you let me know. Love y'all.